Welcome everybody. You can take a seat. My name is Neil and I'm one of the pastors here and to start us off opening the scriptures together I'd like to invite up Emmanuel and Chinanso and their baby girl Ojimao Joe to read the scriptures for us. So come on up you guys. We're glad you're here. Yeah, come on, come on up. Uh, the reading is from Exodus 17 and from John chapter 7. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rehibim, Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go be Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Herob, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Mesa and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? John 7, 37 to, 30, 37 to 39 to 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, let us pray together. Father, Son, and Spirit, this text that Emmanuel and Nanso have read were written thousands of years apart from each other, Exodus and John. And here we sit thousands of years removed from those. And so we ask you now to help us enter into the reality that these texts speak of like never before. We're trusting you to give us ears to hear what you want us to hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As a church, we are focusing on several themes and stories from the Old Testament and how they point to Jesus as the true and better. Let's go back one slide. Last week, Peter Nittler uh, preached a meta-sermon connecting Moses to Jesus, and it was an important sermon to understand the whole biblical story. And I recommend that you listen to Peter's sermon if you're able to and if you haven't yet. But today we're going to zero in on one piece of the larger story that Peter preached on about Moses, Israel, and the desert. And today our focus is on thirst in particular and its longing or, and its relationship to human longing in general. This slide here, let me now draw your attention to. The ancient Greeks connected thirst to human longing by telling the story of Tantalus, pictured right down here. 
whom Zeus made to stand in a pool of water beneath a fruit tree with low branches full of fruit, but he could never quite reach the fruit. And whenever he bent down to drink, the water always magically flowed away forever. The mythical man Tantalus is where we get the word tantalize. Think of a mirage in the desert. Its water and its shade tantalize you, but the closer you get, the further away it moves. Unsatisfied longings are an experience that many of us wrestle with. Uh, Let me ask you the well-known question, and you know the well-known answer. How much money is enough? Just a little bit more. When you buy your Tesla, does the ludicrous modes 0 to 60 in 2.5 seconds satisfy? Yes. Yes, it does. Except that ludicrous plus mode gets you 0 to 60 in 2.3 seconds. It's so satisfying. Except when your friend's Tesla has plaid mode, which gets you to 60 in 1.9 seconds. Now, I'm not speaking from personal experience because I drive a Prius. (laughs) But the ancient Roman philosopher Cicero said, nature has planted in our minds an insatiable longing. The 12th century theologian Thomas Aquinas once posed this question. What would it take to satisfy human desire? And the answer he gave, everything everything. This might divide us on some generational lines, but some of us might resonate with the Rolling Stones. I can't get no satisfaction. While others prefer uh, Taylor Swift's lyrics, it's hard to be anywhere these days when all I want is you, or for that matter, any other Taylor Swift lyric depicting the longing that humans have. In the Exodus story, that Chinanso read, Israel is in the desert, full of thirst and longing for water. If you haven't turned there yet, you can grab a Bible near you. It's Exodus 17, beginning in verse 1. Now, the Bible acknowledges that it wasn't supposed to be this way. The longing that Israel has, the longing that humanity has, is supposed to be fulfilled. If you flip back from Exodus to Genesis, you'll find that the creation stories are on the first pages of the Bible. Uh, The creation story in Genesis chapter 2 describes earth as completely dry and completely barren, no water in sight, until God causes a spring to well up and water the ground. As the dry ground of Eden drinks water, God brings all kinds of plants and animals into life. The picture is of abundance and satisfaction, and God puts humans into this garden, and that's what humans are supposed to experience, full satisfaction. And abundance. The final chapters of the entire Bible again depict abundance. This is the goal of every human on the, this is the goal that every human on the planet longs for. Between Genesis chapter 2 and the final chapters of the Bible, the narrative mirrors our lives and a lot of thirst and longing and dry ground appear. But then we make it to Revelation 21 and Revelation 22, and the theme of abundance spills out as heaven fully fills earth again. Revelation 21, verse 6, God says, To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life. 
And in chapter 22, it describes the river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God to all parts of creation. But right now, so much of humanity's experience is alongside Tantalus. Satisfaction is just out of reach. So let's look at our story in Exodus 17. Exodus 17, verse 1. The people moved according to God's command. God said, go to Rephidim. And they went to Rephidim. The only problem was, Rephidim was in the middle of a desert and there was no water, no river, no spring, no oasis, nothing. God led them to a place that had no water. God moved them to a place that would cause them to die unless God saved them. Rephidim didn't have what they needed to live. What's going on here? Is this a game-playing God? Is this a capricious and spiteful God? Or is God a coach who is training them to turn their longings and leave their lifestyle of dependence on the Egyptian slavers in order to experience a new lifestyle of radical trust in God and unbelievable blessing. You know, generations of Israelites had lived in slavery 400 years, every need met by the little that was doled out to them by their enslavers. And now they need to break their enmeshed relationship with Egypt and instead turn toward God for their every need. Before God leads his people to Rephidim in chapter 17, they were in another desert in chapter 16. And this time there was water, but there was no food. The people grumbled, but God gave them manna, bread from heaven to satisfy their needs. And just before God gave them manna in the desert, they were in another wilderness in chapter 15, where there was water, but it was bitter and undrinkable. And so the people grumbled, and God turned the water sweet, and it satisfied their thirst. And just before God turned the water sweet in chapters 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13, and 14, the people grumbled, but God sent ten plagues on Egypt in order to get Israel out of slavery. And then he parted the Red Sea so they wouldn't all be killed by the Egyptian army again and again and again. God is training Israel to look to him for what they need instead of looking to their Egyptian enslavers. What are you going to do this time, Israel? You're in Rephidim and there's no water. Now, you might think that after all of these miracles, their go-to reaction would simply to say, God, thank you in advance for providing water in this desert. Even though we don't see it yet, we know you're about to save us because you've always saved us in the past and you led us to Rephidim in the first place. God, we look to you. Nope. Moses, how dare you? Who do you think you are, Moses? The text put it kindly and said they quarreled and grumbled with Moses. Why is there no water? You led us here. Do you intend to kill us all in the desert? We discovered that the pressure of unsatisfied longing reveals what's in our hearts. And God is trying to give Israel a new heart filled with sincere trust. Getting new hearts was central to Peter's sermon last week. Peter said that our hearts simply aren't able to trust God. We just don't have it in us to, co to come open-hearted to God. And we need God to give us new hearts. 
as you think about the pressure of your own unsatisfied longings, what rises up in your heart? My unsatisfied longing centers around shalom. Shalom is that Hebrew word for peace and well-being and flourishing. I want my sick friends to be well. I want the people I know who are addicted to be freed from addictions. I want my neighbor's marriage to not keep ending in hatred. I want injustice anywhere to be replaced by justice everywhere. And as I'm pressed with these unsatisfied longings for shalom, there are times that what rises up in my heart is doubt. I look around and I think, God, why are you so invisible? Why don't you do more healings and miracles? Why don't you reveal yourself to this city and to my non-Christian friends in ways that they can, they can understand you, God? Why does it seem like you're made up sometimes? People are thirsty, God. People are looking for satisfaction. Why are they not finding it from you, the living God? God, sometimes trusting in you seems like Moses striking the rock and nothing happening. Sometimes I'm standing there in Rephidim with the Israelites, saying, is the Lord among us or not? I resonate with the poet who wrote Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And Exodus 17 shows us that God often takes us to the end of ourselves, to the end of our unanswered doubts, to the end of what the pressure on our life can handle so that we can receive and be filled with the fullness that another psalm speaks of. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. As you think about the pressure of your own unsatisfied longings, what rises up in your heart? Okay, let's keep going. Verse 4. Moses does the right thing when under pressure. He cries out to God for help. God, they want to kill me. What do I do now? And God's response is unflappable. Thank God for his non-anxious presence in the face of our immense thirsts. God says, Moses, take your leadership team. Take your trusty staff that I have infused with power. Remember that staff? that turned the Nile River to blood and cut off the water supply to the most powerful nation around, that same staff will now open up a water supply for the most vulnerable nation of all. Talk about an opportunity for doubt. What if nothing happens? The people want to stone Moses. What if the leaders laugh? What if there's no water and the leaders go back to the people and say, Moses really has lost his marbles, let's kill him. but water comes from the rock. Everyone's thirsty longing is satisfied. Amen. Amen. It's a miracle. Now, at the beginning of this sermon, we heard Exodus 17 read alongside John chapter 7. So let's consider Jesus' words in John chapter 7 now. 
turn in your Bibles, flip it over into the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John chapter 7. If somebody has it, call out the page number. Who's got John chapter 7? 892. And then we're going to look in verse 37, which is 893. Thanks so much. Now, to say the least, a lot has happened between Exodus 17 and John chapter 7, when Jesus stands up as the true and better water and says in John chapter 7, If anyone thirsts, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. A lot has happened between these two passages, but there are several connections between these two water stories. Let me point them out. The first connection comes in John chapter 7, at the beginning of it, verse 2. It says, now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. Jesus stands up on the last day of this particular feast and says these particular words. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. You might know that the feast of booths was also known as the feast of tabernacles. And it was one of three major Jewish holidays that Israel observed for centuries. This festival celebrates the 40 years that Israel lived in booths or tabernacles or little shelters. While for 40 years, God provided Israel's needs as they wandered around where? In the desert. The very place Exodus 17 talks of. Uh, Biblical scholar Gail Yee writes this. She says, the worshipers at the festival of booths looked expectantly to a future time when life-giving waters will flow from the temple and invigorate the land again, just like water flowed for the ancestors from the rock in the wilderness. For the entire festival, everyone in Jerusalem has been thirsting and thinking about God's miraculous provision in the desert for the people of Israel, the exact story in Exodus 17 and others. Enter Jesus. If you are thirsty... Come to me and drink. Jesus is making a major claim about who he is and what he can do. Which leads to the second connection. The second connection between Exodus 17 and John 7 is the audience Jesus is speaking to. Now we're not going to read the whole chapter of John 7, but this is fascinating. Jesus isn't saying these words of abundant life the well in John chapter 4 although Jesus did satisfy her thirst. And he's not speaking to the blind and the paralyzed and the crippled masses who were longing to get into the water at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5, although Jesus did give the chronically ill man what he desired most. In John chapter 7, Jesus is speaking to three groups of people who are debating who Jesus is, who are doubting, and who are angry. With us, The second group of people were unsure about Jesus. Verse 12 of John chapter 7 says, Some said, He is a good man. Others said, No, He is leading people astray. And some believed in Jesus and said, But when the Messiah comes, will He do greater works than these? And they debated back and forth. Now, the Exodus story doesn't make clear that there were uncertain debaters that day in the desert. But I can imagine, I can imagine a few people nudging each other there in the sand and Rephidim and saying, do you think God's going to bail us out this time? My money's on Moses having a nervous breakdown. And the third group of people at the Festival of Booths were the leaders who wanted to arrest and stone Jesus. Just like the leaders in Israel who wanted to stone Moses, these leaders wanted to arrest and silence Jesus. 
And increasingly in our culture today, just like major voices in our society who view Christianity as dangerous and harmful to our city and harmful to our culture. And it's to these three groups of people, the doubters, the debaters, and the haters, that Jesus stands up and boldly makes the claim that he is true and better than what they've been celebrating all week long. The actual waters of Rephidim were impressive, but it only satisfies temporarily. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. If anyone is thirsty, let them come and drink. Whoever believes in me will experience living water. Some of the FBC staff joke with me about how frequently I mention my favorite New Testament scholar. Uh, He only wrote two commentaries. So whenever I preach from the Gospel of Matthew or of John, you can expect to hear from Dale Bruner. He knocks it out of the park for me this time with his comments about these words of Jesus in John 7. So here they are. Bruner says this, If anyone is thirsty... That's the simplest condition. Not if anyone is qualified or surrendered enough or deeply committed or entirely yielded. All one need be, says Bruner, is be needy. Thirsty is as simple a condition as Jesus can make. We need to only bring one disposition. I need you, Jesus. And if Cicero is right and every human has an insatiable longing, then we are all eligible because we are all thirsty. Bruner again. Not only does Jesus give the simplest condition, Jesus offers the simplest invitation. Come and drink. Like reaching out for a cup of water, it's that easy to turn to Jesus. Now, we live in a complex world with complex questions. If I invite my neighbor to church, will they encounter Jesus and be satisfied? I've been a Christian for a long time, so why am I still thirsty? I've raised my kid in the church. They were even baptized at FBC, but now they've gone to college and rejected Jesus. Why didn't Jesus quench their thirst? How can we believe in Christianity, and how can we believe that Christianity is true, and all other religions are false? There's a lot to say about doubt and deconstruction. Uh, This is a significant reality in our lives. This is complex. And as a church, we want to lean into that reality. And if you have doubts and complex questions, we want to talk with you as pastors. Come send us an email. Let's grab coffee. We want you to wrestle with these doubts in your small groups. Uh, We have a half-day retreat coming up uh, on doubt and deconstruction where we take time to wrestle with and think through these things. There's a lot to say. But for today, for the few minutes that we have today, we can't miss Jesus' posture. Jesus, he faces all the doubters, and he simply makes his truth claim. He doesn't debate. He simply invites people to come. It's the simplest condition, with the simplest invitation. And Bruner says it leads to the simplest action. Whoever believes. There are times when we need to press into the complexity of doubt and disbelief, but there are also times when it's okay to just say, Jesus, I'm thirsty. I want to trust you. Jesus, I'm holding all my doubts with one hand, and with the other hand, I'm taking the cup of water that you're offering me to drink. And I know that you have doubts. So come and believe in the midst of your doubts. 
This is difficult because Jesus is not offering instant gratification. The water Jesus offers is fully satisfying, but like Israel, it takes a long time, sometimes our whole lifetime, to be trained to look to Jesus and to receive from him not the things that enslave us. But church, I long for you to take that cup of water that Jesus is offering. I was talking with Tegan Morris about Jesus' words this week. Tegan's a member of our church. Uh, and she, without having read Bruner, made the same observations that he did. Tegan noticed in the scripture that Jesus doesn't give us a laundry list of things to do. She said that you don't have to be accomplished, just thirsty. Uh, we had a really good conversation, and so I asked Tegan if she'd be willing to continue that conversation up on stage with us this morning. So Tegan, come on up. Let's let Tegan know that she is among friends. Thank you so much. Here's a microphone. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, come on in. I just want to ask you a couple questions. All right. Okay, so we're talking about longing and thirsting. What are some of your longings, and how have you experienced Jesus giving you living water? Um, so a lot of my longings are wanting to be quote-unquote normal mid-20-year-old. I have struggled for many years with a lot of mental health um, issues and physical health issues, and so a lot of my longings have to do with being able to be energized to go be out with friends, um, to be able to go complete my graduate degree, um, to be able to hold a full-time job, to not be exhausted and have to take naps every day (laughs) um to live a little bit more a normal (laughs) normal ish in my mind life um i think that in those in feeling that lack in feeling that those things are not met jesus fills me with his living water um by reminding me that he has a plan for me by reminding me that I am loved, that I am made by him. I see it a lot in being able to take the next step when I don't feel like I can. I see it a lot when I'm feeling really down, but somehow Jesus, through his spirit, puts a song on my lips, um, helps me reach out to other people um, and show his love to others when I don't feel very well personally. (laughs) I love that. I love that he puts a song on your lips. I was talking to another friend who was saying they have difficulty singing sometimes, and, and I think singing is such a full-bodied experience. And I'm praying for that friend that God would give them a song to help them in their, in their longing. I love that. You were talking to me a bit about the, the tension between resting in God and God taking action. Can you say more about that? Yeah, yeah. I think that... A lot of times when I'm able to recognize that all these things are not in my control and allow myself to rest in God and who he is, it's kind of me saying, like, God, you've got this. (laughs) I don't have this. Um, And in that place of rest, it's handing over everything to him. It's seeing that it's it's having faith that God is going to move in those things, even if it's not the way I necessarily desire or expect um, yeah, it's trusting in his work when I, I can't do it myself. Um, that sounds very difficult to me. Um, 
I like being able to do everything myself. Bless you as you uh, have to wrestle with that. That is hard. And another question for you. Um, one of my struggles that I mentioned in my sermon is, is so often Jesus' simple offer uh, that so, it seems incongruous because so many of my friends, so many, you know, I still experience a deep feeling of, of thirst and hunger for God. And I know the word, the word feeling or the experience of feelings is the arbiter of truth for our culture right now. But you've mentioned a, a, maybe a lack of feelings or a struggle over feelings. What do you have to say about that to me, to our culture? We put the primacy on how we feel over other truths. Yeah, I think you, put bluntly, I think you could feel like crap, but also be filled with God's holy water, like, I, I, like with his spirit. Like I feel very profoundly sometimes that I am down um, that I'm hurting, that I'm somewhat debilitated, to be honest, with like anxiety and depression. And simultaneously, I feel full in the sense that I am sustained, um, that there's some ground beneath me that is constant, and that, is, that for me is Christ. Um, just so I'll make this really brief. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, um, I had been diagnosed with a, um, a blood disorder. And as I learned more about it, I came to my mom and I said, Mom, like, is this what I'm going to die from? Um, because I started to hear a lot of, like, pretty serious things about it. And um, as being the mama she is, she's like, no, 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 no. Later, she came to me with tears in her eyes and she's like, Tegan, I don't know what to I don't, I didn't, I, when you asked me that, I didn't know what to say. I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty. And so with that, um, it's kind of a dichotomy because with that uncertainty, there's, there's fear, there's, it's just all unknown. Yeah. Um, and for her, that's moved her away from Christ. How can Christ not answer these prayers? But for me, it has been something that has sustained me because I long for Jesus because I don't know anything else. Is that how it feels? Um, and I long to be near to him because I know that that's true and that's stable. And that's something that is 100% certain in my life. Um, so, I, yes, I think it can be both in yeah. some sort of weird way. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Tegan, thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for being up here, for your courage to share. Yeah, thank you. Bless you. God, as you walk with Tegan, you continue to draw her close to you, fill her longings, satisfy her. Thank you for her presence in our church and what she shared with us. Amen. It's the simplest condition. It's the simplest invitation. It's the simplest action. And the most abundant result. Streams of living water, Jesus says, will flow from your inner being. Streams of living water for Tegan in her experience as she lives her life following Jesus. Streams of living water will flow into you. Now, Jesus is talking about the Christian experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's a sermon for another Sunday, since it's time for us to wrap up today. But you don't need me as a preacher to explain the Holy Spirit in order for you as a drinker to experience him. You just come to Jesus and discover what happens. Jesus stands up today 
and says, if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. So church, come to Jesus with your concerns. Come to Jesus with your doubts. Come to Jesus with your longings. Come to Jesus with your disappointments. Come to Jesus because it is in coming to Jesus that we find life. Jesus, we are coming to you because Jesus, we are thirsty. Jesus, our church is thirsty. Jesus, our city is thirsty. So we come because we're longing for your satisfaction. Satisfaction coming into our absence of love. Into the presence of rejection. Into the overwhelm of demands on our life. Into the desolation of loneliness. Into our unrealized dreams, Jesus. Into our swirling doubts. We have longings, Jesus. And so today, as you, Jesus, stand here and invite us to come, today we come. This is the day, Jesus, where we want to taste the water of life. Amen. supposed to do a normal transition but I feel led to pray for us Lord we are thirsty as Neil preached I sensed this desire for you well up within me and I sense it wells up in each one of us give us drink Lord give us to drink of your living water The water that satisfies. Holy Spirit, fuel us. Fuel us again and again and again. Fuel us with you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Wow. Um, so just moving on. One of the ways we can continue our worship is by giving. Um, we give as an expression of our trust in God, our love for God, and our love for God's people. And um, if you're willing to continue your worship by giving, you can either do that online via um, Pitely or go on the website, or you could make use of the box at the back of the church. Um, you can drop in your checks or cash or whatever you have. Um, next, I had mentioned earlier that there's a connect card or the seat pocket in front of you. So if you have questions or comments, prayer requests, or you just want to reach out to the staff, please make use of the connect card and you can drop it at the back at the connect table. Hey, babe. <laughs> and thirdly is um, family. I just need to say this, family. Um, most of what God is doing through Jesus and doing in us is bringing us into one beloved family. And this is what the church is about. Um, and this is what we're seeking to do, to draw near to God and to draw near to each other. One of the first ways we want to do this during this summer as a church is our Lake Day. Um, on August 12th, you can see it 
there and it's also in the um, handout, handouts that you might have been given. August 12th, we're having our lake day. You're all invited. It will be this Saturday between 10 and 1, 10, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And we'll be going to Lake Solano. So please come, come with your families or friends. It will be time for conversations and for games and for fun. But importantly, you get to, you get to see people eye to eye. I know we're out of time, but can I just say this? In my language, um, the word we use for love is ifunaya, I see you in the eye. And we recognize that if you don't, um, seeing eye to eye is the crucial point of loving someone. It's not just passing someone by. It's by sitting down and saying, I see you. I have a conversation with you. I see you and I love you. So I'm inviting you on Saturday, please come to the lake with us. More than just um, the lake, even if you don't like water, come and have conversations. Reach time with each other. Um, and, I, and I think you would enjoy it. And also, young adults will have games. Please be there. Um, also today, we're having post-church barbecue, which is like now. Um, <laughs> it's also a time more than the delicious and sumptuous meal that we're going to have together. It will be a time for rich conversations. Those people you've barely said hi to, and you've looked at them and you're like, I should talk to this guy. Oh my gosh, next week. You know, find a person and sit with them and say more than hi, okay? Um, it costs $5, and for families, $20. But let that, not, let that not hinder you. If you don't have, if you don't have to pay, still join us and eat. Um, we want to eat as a family because we are part of the family of God. Can we stand up as we receive this benediction? Church, we have received this invitation to Jesus to drink deep of the living water. The living water which is himself. And that as you believe and drink out of him, from you will flow streams of living water. So as you go out into the world and into your places, your families, your work, and into Monday, go with this strength. That if you believe and if you drink and keep drinking from him, streams of living water will flow out of you to a world that is thirsty. May the Lord be with you as you go forth. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.